Welcome back to the Downtown Dem podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by Natalie Atkinson, who is the Chief Executive of FC United of Manchester. She is also, more importantly, a Downtown Award winner. She won the uh, Women Woman of the Year Award at our uh, City of Manchester Business Awards in 2022. I'm delighted that she's been able to join us in the Den for this latest podcast uh, which obviously this season is looking at winning women and certainly Natalie fits into that category. So Natalie, welcome into the downtown day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me this morning. It's a pleasure. And obviously women's football, listen, it's just taken off incredibly over the last two years or so, but I know your involvement goes back much further than that. Um, just tell us how... You started off getting interested in football. Was that something that you did when you were a kid or is it something that, you know, has come later to you in life? Um, I kind of like to say that I played football, but I actually didn't play football at all. So my background's actually athletics. So still very sporty, athletics, triathlon, but my family were heavily involved in football. My brother um played to a really high standard semi-pro um and then I kind of just followed my mum and dad around and then you get supporting the team that you support and then career-wise I, I started at the FA so I started Manchester FA as football development manager and that was kind of my first um kind of inroads to working in football um and had you know an incredible uh good few six seven years at at Manchester FA did a lot of work around um, facility development Uh, and at that time women and girls football was just we talked about it but we didn't really see what we see now Um, there was still a lot of women kind of working in the game um, but it was never as high profile as, as it is now um, and then um, I got the role as CEO at Curzon Ashton, which was actually great because my family were heavily involved in the football club as my brother was playing there. Um, and that was, I guess, my first job in, in football as a kind of a senior leader. And then you just fall in love with the game then even more than, than I do now. Um, I'm a big Man City fan. Um, try and go to as many games as I can. Um but obviously, working working in football as well, you don't get to go to as many games. So I do watch. We have football on in our house a lot. So <laughs> there's always something football on the TV. So um, then kind of fast forward a few years and I've landed at, at FC United. And when I worked, walked in on my first day, it was literally like coming home. And, and I say that because... I was involved when I was at Manchester FA, so there's kind of a nice connection there. When I was involved at Manchester FA as football development manager, the project um, developing the ground at Broadhurst Park kind of landed on my desk with the Football Foundation, the City Council, um, uh, the FA and so on. And I I worked with the, the guys at FC United really closely in my whole time at FC. So that's how long it, it took from kind of the inception of the idea of having Broadhurst Park um, and the facility to actually building it and, and it and it opening in 2017. So, um, yeah, I, I've always held FC United in close to my heart. So, so going and starting there 12 months ago, ago now was it was really where I felt I could add the most value and. Um, the club has always been a club that's very much about equality. So they've had a women's team for 11 years, which 
is unheard of for the team to be still going. And I've said to the to the women's team, you know, when I started, it'll be five years yet, five, six years before we can get to anything like um, any terms of kind of payment structure, whether that's expenses or, or paying paying the players. But I actually think I was having a conversation on Friday uh, with, with our women's captain, Kirsty. I was actually saying, I think that will come a lot quicker um, because of the, right. the journey we've gone in the last 12 months with the team and everything that we're kind of building around um, women's football. So this being obviously International Women's Week, we're doing loads of activity this week to kind of embrace that, embrace inequality. And we've got some really exciting news tomorrow, some incredible news tomorrow around um, women's football, women at the club. It's not just about football, but it's about the, the kind of team behind the scenes as well. Um, so a really exciting announcement tomorrow. So, so yeah, I've always been involved in football, always been really passionate about sport, but then I took that journey and that that kind of road to football, really, and then landed here at FC United. <laughs> Fascinating. And as much as, and we will get into a bit more detail in terms of the women's game, how that is progressing, but perhaps not quickly enough, actually, but we, we, we may be able to, well, we will get into that conversation. But FC United in itself is a fascinating story, isn't it? Because this was born out of fan frustration, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a group of Manchester United supporters, if memory serves me right, being a little bit disillusioned about the way Premier League football was being run and their club was being run. Mm. So you're in a position as the chief executive of a club, which is obviously passionate about community involvement and inclusivity. And that naturally, I guess, means that the women's game and involving women in football and families, not just Mm. in terms of participating as players, but also in terms of participating as a fan group, it is crucially important to the core values of your business now. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, 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 FC United is even more, becomes more relevant um, every day. Um, obviously, you know, high profile in the news at the moment about Man United and the potential sale either to, you know, um, Saudi, Qatari, whatever that might be, or, or somebody, uh, or, or, you know, uh, somebody here. What, what that... For, for me, and, and particularly when the Super League was announced, FC United and other fan-owned football clubs became more prominent because we do what we do for the fans. We don't. I'm not. We don't do this for me. It is for the fans. We're not doing it for the first team players or you know the club secretary or the commercial manager. What we do is for the fans. So every day, at the back of our mind, when we walk into Broadhurst Park, is what will how will that impact on the fans? How can we improve that for our members? What would the members say? And um, what's our manifesto? And every day you kind of chant that manifesto in your own mind about affordable football uh, for membership. It's about three o'clock or two o'clock because they wouldn't play at two o'clock uh, at two o'clock on a Saturday or a Sunday. It's about community led. It's about fans having their own voice. And when the Super League came out, um, there was an organisation set up very quickly for. Uh, called Fair Game, of which worked really, really closely with Tracy Crouch and the fan led with you. And obviously, the, the white paper came out um, re- re- very, very recently last week in terms of 
what what football will do now. So that independent regulator, fans having a voice, you can't, somebody, an owner or a group of owners can't, or collective group of people can't come in and, you know, move the ground somewhere else without um, consulting with the fans. You can't just change the colour of the shirt or the emblem or anything like that without consultation with the fans. And our members, so our, we call them our co-owners, so our co-owners, everybody, every single person owns the football club. So every person owns Broadhurst Park and FC United. And we launched our um, five-year strategy um, in June of last year. And the co-owners signed that off. There was a hell of a lot of um, research and due diligence went into that report and the strategy and the finance that backed it and behind it. But it wasn't me that signed it off. It was our co-owners. I'm a co-owner of FC United um, and we have nearly 3,000 of them. So they voted on that and they signed it off. So we're kind of delivering. I feel so honoured to be delivering that strategy on behalf of those people. And, you know, I I say this to the team all the time and we we should be honoured to represent that amount of people because, what football club can say that you are representing what goes on on the pitch, what goes on in community, what goes on in our function room, what goes on in terms of our commercial activity. There's not a cl- lot of clubs that can say that. And there's not a lot of people that work in football that can say they're actually doing it not for themselves, if that makes sense, but doing it for the fans and for their co-owners or members. Um, and the biggest thing for me is that we deliver a well-run well thought, well delivered community program across the north of the city, and, and that was the council, um, Manchester City Council leaders, kind of um, point to me. And she said to me, "Make FC United the biggest football club in the north of the city, from its community, commercial, fan base, members, so on and so on and so on." Because you've got two huge clubs down the road, we know what they're doing, you know what they can do but you be the voice of the north of the city. And, and actually, we, we get in there 12 months on from when yeah. uh, the leader of the council, Bev Craig, said that to me. We've come on strides. You know, the women play on the stadium pitch. What team can say that, that they've got their quality in terms of that? The women train at the same time as, as the men do. We'll get to that payment profile. We've got a shirt launching tomorrow for the women and there's an incredible message behind it about equality and embracing equality. Um, you know, behind the scenes, there's probably more women that work in the football club than men, which is quite rare, right. uh, which is great. Um, there's a little bit of power struggle there in terms of the men and the women. But, um, you know, the, the pots of funding that we're applying for now um we recently got one around delivering a recreational program for women. So mums like me that may be interested in football or played football or have never played football, you know, coming to FC United and, um, you know, having a kick around on, on the pitch. So, you know, being physically active, making friends, so on and so forth. Um, and then this week we've actually launched the search for a Her Game 2 ambassador as well. So um, kind of an ambassador that will be there at match days both the men's and the women's games um can buddy up with um females that because there is still that nervousness around women going to a football game whether it's a men's or a women's so we're, we'll, we'll launch a buddying up system where you can come and meet our her game to ambassador um you can have a tour around the ground you can get to know people because it it can be quite daunting still um you know we've come 
massively strides forward. You know, how many women watched um, or people watched, you know, the Euros finals, the coverage on um, on through media, the investment now through commercial activity. Um, and that is all changing and, and changing for the better. But I still think we've got a hell of a lot, a long way to go. Well, absolutely. If you're telling me that, you know, there's still women who are nervous about attending mm-hmm. football matches, um, that tells you how far we've got to go. It's an incredible statement to be able to make in 2023. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, as much as we can talk about all the progress that's been made in the women's game, and of course, if you look at football crowds now, it's much more mixed, isn't it? I mean, I yeah. remember when I first started going as a lad, uh, which was, as you can imagine, Natalie, about 20 years ago, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, the, the, the literally, if you saw a woman, it, it was a fairly unique thing to see mm. women at football games, particularly, you know, standing up on the terraces. Yeah. Um, and, and now, you know, you know, certainly I can speak at Goodison Park, um, that it's, I, I wouldn't say it's a 50-50 split, Mm. But there's an awful lot of women who do go to the games. But you're saying there's still barriers there? Women are still reluctant to go to football stadia, do you think? Yeah, I I, I do. I think it's that. um, I I don't know those experiences when you get there. And and this is where Her Game 2 have done an incredible amount of work over the last nearly two years. Everton are actually one of the, was was the first Premier League football club to become a Her Game 2 club. And that is about stamping out that sexism on the terraces. I do still think that's there's that nervousness around women going and standing on the terraces on their own. Um, you, You do have, but what Her Game 2 are doing is educating and raising the profile of, um, you, you know, don't be afraid. It's football. It's something that you love. Go with a friend. Go and meet people there, whether they're male or they're female. Um, and for me, it's very much about, you know, educating people that that it is a safe place to be at. Because that's why Her Game 2 was established in that women were feeling feeling unsafe or they were being abused either verbally to the face or via social media and that's what her game two have done and that's why we're kind of really passionate that as FC United becomes a her game two football club and we're looking for this ambassador to to take this role on you see many more you see lots more females at the women's game but what I want to see is I want to see those that go and watch on the Saturday go and watch on a Sunday as well, whether they're male or female. Um, because we're getting near on 2000 to a men's game. And we've, we've gone up a little bit with the Met, with the, the women's game. Um, but I'd like to see that creeping up to 200, 300. So it, it, what very much about is about educating our members that, you know, we're putting a lot of time, energy, focus into the women's game because we believe it needs that. Um, it's non-league day on the 25th of March and it just happens to fall. I think this is luck more than anything. It just happens to be that we've got a home game on the 25th. Um, and we've also, we've got a home game for the men and a home game for the women on the on the Sunday, so the Saturday, Sunday. So we'll promote that as a double header. Come with your family. You've gone on Saturday. Make it a double header weekend. It's affordable. Um, it's to watch two incredible, great uh, teams. The women could win the league. That's that Sunday. So we're going to push, push and push that and see if we can oh, kind wow. of entice people to 
to, to the game. So I think the more we do via, via our social media, we've got a million followers across our social media platforms, which is more than some, than some um, championship football clubs. But we use that a lot to get the message out. Fantastic. And, and just before we move into more positive sort of narrative about the women's game, uh, I'll say this, Natalie, you might not want to, but if you're a fella who goes to a match and thinks it's funny to make um, comments to women that are anything other than positive, then you're an absolute dickhead, so please stop. Um, so, so as I said earlier, the, the women's game, and I, I do want I mean, just before we leave the FC United piece, because I do think this is a fascinating story as well, and you're chief executive of FC United, you're not chief executive of the women's bit of FC United. Yeah. So just before we move into that more positive conversation about women's football, um, how proud must you and those people who've been involved in that journey be? Because, you know, attendances of 2,000 for a non-league club, a fan-based owned club, and one which, as you say, Minion follows really high profile in terms of brand. I mean, that's yeah. a, an incredible journey in itself, Natalie, isn't it? Yeah, honestly, it absolutely is. And, and um, I kind of I put something out um, a couple of weeks ago. So I've been at the football club 12 months and I'd written something and then somebody said to me, you need to say this from the heart because it was quite clinical. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. So um, I went back to it about three or four times um, and kind of wrote really how I felt. Being the chief exec of anything is a is a huge achievement. I mean, I'm really, I am really proud. And sometimes I have to kind of knock myself, you know, is this, is this really my job? Um, and that, that sounds a bit cheesy, but I am really honoured to represent this football club because more, not more so than any other football club that I've been at, because I've always been proud of the clubs that I've worked at and the people I've worked with over the years have been incredible. And I'm, you know, really passionate about, about, the, the clubs that I've worked at and still in contact with all of them. F- for me, being the CEO of, a, of an organisation where every day you've got to think about how will this impact on the co-owners? Would the co-owners want this? Am I doing the right thing for the co-owners? So you're not thinking about yourself. You've got you know, two, three thousand people to think about. And when I'm there on a Saturday or, or a Sunday or, or both, I walk around that ground and the the people are just so well welcoming. And I said that in my note. And that's really, it's quite strange for, I don't, I guess not many CEOs would be able, or, or whoever they are, would be able to walk around their stadium as freely as I do on a Saturday. And, so, and I'm a talker, as you know, and, and, <laughs> and have a chat with people and just say, how's your day? Did you enjoy it? What did you think of today? And, Everybody's so welcoming and, and just, I guess, kind. I guess, I guess that's the word I'm looking for with the FC fans. I, I don't, you know, I, I've had a career where in mean, football, you know, things have been said over social media about me. I've kind of suffered trolling quite badly. But I, I don't get that from FC. And what I get is respected and liked. And that to me is a huge, that's a huge achievement for me. And it is a great achievement, as I say, in terms of what you do as chief exec and leading that club, but also, I think, as I say, the incredible journey that fans had. Uh, I remember the inception 
uh, mm. of FC United. And lots of people saying it would fall on its face after a couple of years. You mm. know, it was a bit of a fad. And look at it now. So, listen, Natalie, we'll leave first part of our conversation there. We'll have a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to be talking to Natalie about the Lionesses, the success, the impact that that's had on the women's game. But also, how do you get into football? How do you get to be an administrator in football? Uh, because, you know, somebody who saw themselves at one time as uh, a Scouse Georgie best never quite happened for me. But we've all wanted to be involved in the beautiful game. So how did Natalie get there? Stay with us. We'll be back. And, uh, yeah, she'll, I'm sure, give us some tips as to uh, how she got her dream job. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Downtown in Business is the fastest growing business organisation in the UK. Working with decision makers from over a thousand companies across the country in Liverpool, Lancashire, Manchester, Leeds, Birmingham, Cheshire, Wolverhampton, Newcastle and London with more locations to follow. Through an extensive and exciting events programme and through our social media platforms, we connect our members with other businesses who can help them grow. And we engage with senior politicians and officials at local, regional and national level to promote business-friendly policies. To join Downtown in Business, please visit our website. That's all the W's, downtowninbusiness.com. Why don't you get involved with the fastest growing business organisation in the UK? Okay, welcome back to the latest episode in the Downtown Den podcast. Delighted today to be joined by the Chief Executive of FC United Manchester, Natalie Atkinson. And we were chatting in the first part of the programme about her role at FC United and also how incredible that club has done in terms of the way in which it's developed over relatively short periods of time. As I think it's fair to say the biggest uh, non-league brand, it's certainly in the UK, if not... On the globe. So, great journey there. But I just wanted to turn to the, the, the more general aspects of, of the women's game. And, you know, it's something that has really taken off since the Lionesses' success at the Euros. But I think even prior to that, you know, the, the women's game was starting to get some profile. You have Phil Neville taking over as the coach of the national team, for example. One or two other things were happening where people were starting to take notes of the female game. But the history of the female game in our country fascinates me as well because I didn't know. It was banned, wasn't it, in the trade? And I'm not talking about, you know, the 18th century. I mean, my daughter told me, and I thought she'd misread something. Mm. Um, And then obviously I've looked it up. And incredibly, the women's game was banned because it was popular. That's a fair assessment, isn't it? Yeah, it was. And there's an incredible story and in, in the history of um, the players that were involved many years ago in, in the National Football Museum. Um, and it tells the story and it tells the story of Lily Parr, who was obviously one of the first female footballers and the things they had to go through. And some of the, the women had to change their names Um when the game was banned or they wanted to play football because fear of being arrested or whatever. And, you know, look at where I, that was. That was only 100 years ago. That wasn't long ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And to, to where we are now, to seeing the millions and millions that watch the Euro final, to winning the Euros, to the, 
you know, the Super League that you can watch on any sort of media, I won't mention any, but, you know, uh, any media yeah. channels, you know, at weekends to um, the cup com- competitions, the women in to sell out stadiums, that high level elite game that is we're seeing now that people can access either through, you know, going to a game which is affordable um, or watching it, you know, at, at the comfort of their own home or, or in schools or whatever it might be to watch a game the profile is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that essentially is down to the team at the FA. It's down to the Women's Super League team. It's down to the sponsors, Barclays of the Super League. It's down to the launch of the women's uh, Women and Girls FA strategy that was launched that is very much about, yes, the Super League and the Championship and the other kind of divisions within um within women's football, but what's happening at grassroots football, grassroots as well. And that is that is absolutely essential and that is key. So every girl in primary schools across the land being able to access school, in school or after school or part of their PE lesson, accessing football as they would do netball or basketball or athletics, cricket, whatever it might be. And to me, that is a really bold statement from the FA, but the absolute right one. And and I would, you know, encourage every PE teacher to get their girls playing football because just to see the the stadiums that are full and to see the women playing, the skill level goes up, the media exposure goes up, more commercial income into the game, which then allows um, more people to be working in the game. And, and another organisation that is, is doing an incredible amount of work is women in football. And that, again, is raising the profile of people that work in the game, educating people that are with, educating women that are working in football, but also raising the profile of of those that are involved in our, as you said, as said earlier, the beautiful game. So the Euros was and and the World Cup this year, I think I'm already really excited about it because we'll do quite a lot of work around um the World Cup. Um when the games are on, we'll show them at the ground. Obviously, it's in Australia, so, you know, depending on when it's on, we'll show them at the ground. We'll do lots of work around pre-season because it's obviously our pre-season then around the women's team. We'll have girls. Uh, we'll have a girls' wildcat session launching in the summer, which is an, an FA initiative. Um, we've got this recreational programme uh, launching. We also have a summer camp that we've got girls coming along to, which is a football summer camp that we've, we've had girls coming along to our um, holiday camps. But the biggest thing that's happened over the last couple of months for, for FC United, which again raises our profile, I think it puts us... It really has put us out out there in kind of the stratosphere of women, the women and girls game is we launched the biggest ever sponsorship deal the club has ha- ever seen in its 18 years wow. with a Manchester brand that could not be more behind what we're doing as a football club. So we announced our partnership with Pretty Little Thing um, a couple of months ago, well, in January. And honestly, I've never worked with a brand that's so passionate about a particular subject and it just happens to be women's football women and girls football um the time energy passion that they're putting into this partnership with us is just honestly i'm just over the moon with it our commercial team so francis field and our commercial manager is leading on this project and and both of them together is just 
I'll just kind of just let them get on with it because they're both and yeah. um, the team at PLT and and Francis, our commercial manager, are so passionate about this relationship and what what it stands for that um this is a you know I think this will be a partnership for a long long time. It's got longevity in it, particularly with the World Cup coming up as well. And I suppose that's the next step, isn't it, in terms of the women's game? Because you know I think it's great points that you've made in terms of girls and women now being able to play football again as i say an incredible statement to make really yeah. uh, when you think as you say less than a century ago you know it was uh, yeah. it was banned um but the thing that i think has ignited interest from a lot of girls was that sort of euros victory and before yeah. that as i say the lioness's success because we need role models don't we people yeah. want to see what women can do in football, and then all of a sudden there's an attraction to play as well as watch. So an awful lot of female staff have go into the game once mm-hmm. the Premier League in particular, I think, uh, was established. Um, and Stadia did become safer, and it just the yeah. environment was just more family-friendly, if I can put it that way. As you indicated earlier, some way to go on that, sadly, but we're getting there. But yeah. I think what you know I've noted even over the past few years is even in schools, you know, you see an awful lot of girls now playing alongside boys, actually, in terms mm-hmm. of the football and school teams and so on. Uh, and then that Lionesses brand has really taken off. How do we then transfer that into ensuring that the rest of the women's game as is commercially um, attractive, I suppose? Um, because as much as there's been great progress, um, we started this conversation by saying it's fantastic. We're now having a conversation with our women's team about being able to pay them. And of course, what we read every day is, you know, Premier League footballers getting paid absolutely, you know, cash that, that we can only dream about um, for their weekly salaries. Now, how do we, to, to, do we begin? It's a big question, Natalie. Uh, but how do we begin to address that? Are we starting to see the sort of deals that you've done with PLT mm. begin to happen across the, the, the women's game? Yeah, and, and that's the key point for me. There's, there's, there's two things, really. There's the, the fan-led review and, and that involvement I um, have had and have with Fair Game in terms of that fairer distribution of funds and the sustainability of football and, a, you know... Um, we don't see another berry. So there's there's, there's that, yeah. which is across, yeah. for me, yeah. isn't just across, and now there's going to be a women's review as well. So it's not just about the men's game, it's about the women's game as well. But in terms of that investment, i.e. financially, in the women and girls game, that's got to come through higher profile, um, media exposure, you're seeing watching, like I said earlier, watching the games on the TV, more people going to games. Yes, it's affordable and that's great. You know, I can take my family to, to Man City to watch the women's game for, you know, 30, 40 pounds. But you can come to SC United or you could go to one of the local clubs like Curzon or Cheadle and it costs you a couple of pounds. So it's about making it affordable first. And that's where you've got to increase your fan base first. And your fan base has got to come from within your fan base. So you know when I talked about that double header weekend for non-league uh, weekend on the 25th of March, 
our fan base for the women's team has got to come from the men's game and the wider. So we've got to push it through our, our, our men's supporters, the supporters of the men's team, then take it wider and then raise the profile. Um, and, and that, the, the commercial income from the, that's come from, from Pretty Little Thing was because there was a brand, an organisation, a business that saw what was happening with the Euros. Let's be honest, Pretty Little Thing of a female brand, female women and girls brand. They saw what was happening with the Euros. Well, how can we get involved in that? How can we use our brand in a positive way through football? And that's when kind of they contacted us and we kind of jumped on it and said, well, look at all the things we want to do. How can you help? And there's kind of that two-way partnership in terms of, well, if we raise, if you help us raise the profile of our women's team and everything that we're doing, that commercial income comes in, and then we're helping them raise the profile of Pretty Little Thing being this sporty, female-flared football organisation. So it kind of goes two ways. But the more commercial income that comes into the women's game, like the men's, and it's distributed fairly across the divisions you'll then start to see players being paid. I mean, look at that United player that was um, during the transfer window, £500,000. Wow, wow, for, for, a, for a, we, a yeah. female player. And that's only be, that's come from more media exposure, winning the Euros. I mean, she's yeah. incredibly talented. Yeah. Let's not knock her for that, uh, Russo. She's incredible. <laughs> yeah. She is and an amazing player. And United didn't want to let her go. So... More commercial income. The FA's strategy is being delivered in incredible strategy, incredible people behind it. Women in football delivering what they're doing to educate more women and support more women uh, and build their their membership as well. I think um, Yvonne, the CEO, quoted the other day, there's something like 6,000 members. Wow, 6,000 women members of an organisation. And then her game too, doing the incredible job that they do to kind of stamp out this sexism within the game on the terraces and that you're not fearful of going to a game. And then kind of bring it right back down to, to grassroots level that we're at. And our my job and our role as a football club is to take FC United out into our community in the north of the city and go into primary schools and deliver a community-led programme that we go to a little girl that's just done a football session in their school. Here's a ticket on Sunday, come and watch our women. And then I want to see that. The, the biggest thing I want to see is I want to see little girls in the north of Girls, women and girls, we have to let little girls sit at. The biggest thing I want to see is them in the north of the city wearing an FC United shirt. That that's that's when you know you've made an impact on people and that they're actually feeling part of the, our journey. So that community led program in terms of going out into schools that will start towards the end of this year and next year. We've got a really big program ready to to go in terms of our community program to go out into schools and deliver football activity and much more than that and that is about kind of showcasing and broadcasting that you can be part of you can own this football club so you know a little six seven year old girl can own fc united and who can say that not many girl women and girls can say that so uh, build, build, build is is mm. basically what you're saying. You know, we're, yeah, absolutely. We're, we're at the we're still re really, you know, at the start of this journey in terms of women's mm. football. Lionesses have gave a fabulous catalyst and a massive push, I think, 
it in terms of the women's game. But a long way to go. And obviously the sort of things that you're talking about, which is grassroots, which is talking to young girls, making women feel safe coming to football, and then commercial deals such as the Pretty Little Thing deal that you guys have done. They're the sort of things that will see the game progress. I mentioned role models in terms of people wanting to get involved in playing the game or women wanting to get involved in playing the game, young girls in particular, on the back of that Lioness's success. Role models as well, though, um, in the administrative side of the game. And yeah. you know, there's only two females that I can think of who are involved in the Premier League at a senior level. One is Denise Barrett-Baxendale, who's the chief executive yeah. of Everton Football Club, uh, yeah. and the other is Karen Brady. And, yeah. you know, both of those women, um, I think, are great role models. Mm. I know Denise very well, obviously, particularly uh, from working with her in the community, the Everton in the Community Project. Um, but, you know, as I said, as we went into the break, Lots and lots of people dream about getting involved in football at one level or another. Um, and you said you started your football career as a development manager. Um, so how do you sort of wake up on morning, Natalie? And think, <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to go and have a, fo- a, a career within the, fo- the, the game of football. Yeah, I, it's because I'd always been passionate about sport. So I was a runner from a young age competed at the highest level then got into triathlon again was competing at high levels and so I've always my family have always been involved in sport so um I then was like right I'm going to go to university and I'm going to do something in sport so I did sports science then came out of that and started volunteering and that is my if anybody ever asked me how to get involved in sport whether it be football or something else, um, volunteer. Start volunteering at your local football club. Um, you get to know um, the ins and outs and the workings of a football club, um, be that from an administrative point of view or social media or medical or the playing side. There's lots and lots of different kind of facets to a football club. There's not just, you know, the manager. Um, and I... Like I said, I've never played football, never put a pair of football boots on, never coached the game, but I'm really passionate about what goes on behind the scenes. So my job and the team's job at FC United is to make sure those 11 players go out and perform to their best of their ability on a Saturday or a Sunday and that they have the tools to do that. So they've had the the right training facilities they've got the right coaches in place they've got the right kit um you know the changing rooms are clean from you know the they can see that the games are promoted on social media so they've got a crowd that they go out to and it's noisy at Broadhurst Park on a Saturday and Sunday it's noisy so for me my biggest piece of advice would always be go and volunteer in your local football club and you can never you never know what that leads on to um, there's an incredible university in our city and the the base in London and, and here at the Etihad. So University College Football and Business, so UCFB. Um, they have oh, lots and lots and lots of football courses from coaching to business to journalism, media, so on and so forth. And we kind of work really closely with them to get some of the students involved in, in the work we do at FC. But educate yourself, go and volunteer and then, for me, find find somebody that can be a mentor within football. 
Um, whether that's a chief exec or somebody that's involved in the media team or a manager or whoever it might be, find yourself a mentor that can guide you through this kind of murky world of football that then will land you where you want to be. Natalie, it's been great talking to you. Can't let you go without um, talking a bit about the, the men's game, I'm afraid. And mm-hmm. obviously, we're talking after the weekend that Liverpool have just smashed Manchester United 7 0. Now, yeah. I don't have a dog in a fight in this in, in that fight, <laughs> in a sense, because I'm a blue and I've got more things to worry about as an Evertonian at the moment. But seven mm-hmm. nil, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a battering, wasn't it? As a city yeah. fan, how do you react to that? Because Liverpool <laughs> have been like massive rivals for City as well in recent times. Yeah, huge. Uh I don't know whether I should admit this or not, but uh, I had, we actually watched that game um, <laughs> because we wanted to see United get beat. So <laughs> I watched the United Liverpool game, um, and I did want to see uh, see Liverpool. Well, I didn't know who I wanted to win. I, I just didn't want United to win, to be honest, because I'm a big City, well, City fans in our family. So. Seven nil though. I don't know how you come back from that. He's got a job on his hands as the manager at United. But um, one thing I will say is that for me, football grounds are incredible. They're incredible atmospheres. Um, I love to see go out on a Saturday and just walk out to the ground and it's noisy and it's passionate and there's chanting and people have got either smiles on their faces or they've not, whatever, whatever it might be, win, lose or draw. But I think that you're always going to find it hard going to Liverpool, I think, because of the The crowd crowd and the passion and what it means to them. I mean, I bet you've been to a few derby games, um, Everton-Liverpool. Although I would love it. I think it would just put the fear of God in me walking out onto that. So... Yes, it was. Look, it makes it it makes football exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> and it isn't over until it's over. And yes, you might put a few points behind Arsenal, but it's not over. It is not over till that last game. And I think <laughs> I know we'll win it. Well, I I think City will. I, I, for, yeah. for all sorts of reasons that are nothing to do with bias against Manchester City. I'd like mm-hmm. to see Arsenal win it. Arteta obviously was a great Everton hero, so mm-hmm. he's manager now at uh, mm-hmm. at Arsenal. And also, I'd just like to see a different club win it. To be honest, no, you know, no. City have won it a lot in recent Come on, times. No. I know as, listen, as a City fan, I know you're not going to agree. With me. Uh, yeah. And if listen agrees me to support a London team. Um, because yeah. I do like, you know, I'd like a, a northern team to win it, not Liverpool, yeah. obviously. And, yeah. and uh, just on the Anfield thing, you're absolutely right. Those Norwegians yeah. make a hell of a racket uh, when they're in the ground there as Anfield. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, listen, it's been absolutely fantastic oh, it's been talking to you. Um, now, listen, before we let Natalie go, just a, a quick mention of the business of sport. 
conference that we're hosting as downtown in business in association with Sudulo and also VSI Education, who do some work alongside UCFB, which Natalie mentioned is a fantastic university. If you're looking to get involved in the administrative side of the game, then VSI Executive Education is probably one of the places you should be looking mm. as well. And we're hosting a conference at Old Trafford, uh, not the football stadium, the cricket ground. I think it's the 6th of September, memory serves me right. It's during the first international break of uh, the new season, next season, when hopefully Everton will still be in the Premier League. Uh, if you're interested, look on that link below, which is coming on the screen now, and you'll be able to register your interest. And we're starting to put a fantastic group of speakers together. And if she's available... Uh, I've just collared Natalie to come along. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've enjoyed listening to her today, but we'll get a bit more out of the live, I'm sure. Natalie, great to speak to you. Thanks very much for joining us and good luck with the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Frank. Thank you.